Hi, and welcome back to another episode of the Heart Square podcast. In this podcast, myself and Rob were joined by Matt and Andrew, who are two of our senior business change consultants here at Heart Square. Um, and they have lots of experience on the topic we're talking about today, which is benefits realisation. And we are discussing how to realise the benefits of your digital project. Yeah, this should be good, actually, as you say. Um... Matt and Andrew both got a lot of experience on in this area and it is something we talk to clients about a lot you know about how to it's actually about kind of how to define benefits manage them track them and therefore realize them which is the objective of of the projects we get involved in so it'd be good to hear what they've got to say yeah definitely so we'll get straight into the episode we hope you enjoy it We are really lucky to be joined by two of our team, um, Andrew and Matt, and we're going to have a chat today about benefits realisation. But before we get into that topic, I wondered if Matt and Andrew, you could both introduce yourselves and tell us a bit about your role here at HeartSquare, if I could start with you, Matt. So I'm Matt Dunphy, I'm a Senior Business Change Consultant at HeartSquare. I think certainly worked recently on uh, implementation projects, um, particularly in the trade union space. And so you are very keen to have the discussion about benefits because I think you see various different versions of of, of realisation in our projects. Great. Thanks, Matt. And Andrew? Uh, hi there. Uh, I'm Andrew Scanlan. I'm uh, another one of the, the senior business change consultants at HeartSquare, um, working on, uh, on a big implementation CRM and uh, web portal uh, with an engineering membership body. Um, Still some time before go live, and, and I think what we'll talk about today with benefits realisation, a lot of that happens uh, after go live, so a little bit away perhaps from from some of the uh, the things we're talking about today. Uh, but yeah, looking forward to having a bit of a conversation with Matt and uh, yeah, getting to uh, understand it a bit more. Thanks, Andrew. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, like you say, benefits realisation as such is, I suppose, is kind of framed around what happens after a technology implementation or something along those lines but both you guys you know got a lot of experience working on significant programs of work where our clients have invested you know sizable sums of money let's keep it as broad as that um and and we talk a lot about it being needing to be more than just implementing new technology so hence we talk about benefits realization benefits management realization but i think there's a lot of different interpretations of that as well so maybe matt if you could start us off with a kind of you know for the context of today what when we talk about benefits realization what are we actually talking about yes so i think when we as heart square talk about it you know we are really talking about a structured approach and i think the reality is that often the focus turns to benefits you know after go live uh, and i think i respect that reality I think what we do at HeartSquare is really try and bake that in, obviously, to the business case, which probably for everyone is another place where it does get really good, deserved attention. And I think the HeartSquare approach then is really to demonstrate how that can be tracked through the various stages of the project, particularly around the governance of of changes that happen to a project during an implementation. Uh, and also, I think for HeartSquare, we've developed a change management approach and, and often the change management approach can really um, drive the focus on benefits. So I believe we've got a structured approach to to setting this up and, and tracking it. I would certainly say, and very interested in Andrew's view, that 
you know, it does tend to be once live having a review of things and saying, how well did we do? Yeah, no, I, I think that's almost inherent sometimes in, in the projects we run. You're quite right. It, it's part of our business case, um, part of a lot of that pre-project thinking, without any doubt. As we then get into uh, an implementation, I think sometimes benefits that they don't get forgotten, but they take a little bit of a backseat to just the busyness of day to day implementation. And certainly when we're, we're testing, particularly a kind of sprint testing, release testing, benefits probably aren't on our mind at that stage. It is very much a does it work? Yes or no. Move on, on to the next. And as we then get through closer to the end of the project, um, benefits start to, to sort of creep back in. Um, but it's really, I think, after go live that the majority of our, our clients, our projects really start to, to think about what have we achieved and how will it help us? How is it moving us forwards? Um, and perhaps there's more we can do through project, particularly at certain milestones, maybe in testing UAT, when we can bring some of that back, not just does this work, but does it deliver us the, the intended efficiency, benefit, saving, whatever it might be um, that, uh, that we hoped for at the start? I don't know, how, is that something that you've ever done, Matt, in the middle of an implementation, sort of return to the benefits case, the, the business case? And I, I think, yeah, we're both saying it. There's a lot of respect to the practical challenges and realities of running a very heavyweight, you know, implementation. I certainly what I've aimed to do is remind people that there are checkpoints, which I think is what you're also saying. And I think if we're fair to ourselves, our clients and the sector, a lot of it can be implicit. Um, particularly if you're doing change control very well, you, you're probably protecting benefits. Um, I think what I've wanted to do in circumstances, which, which has been a challenge and really interested in your view on this, is actually say there are checkpoints throughout, you know, um, on the change management side, you know, when you do a lot of reading, I've been doing a lot lately, and it really is about selling the benefits and continuing to sell the benefits to to the users and to your stakeholders. And actually, more and more, the great conversation is about making that tangible. So how will I see as a customer or a member the benefit of this change very practically in front of me on, on the website, on, on a portal? Um, as a member of staff, you probably hear it a lot more. How will this tangibly and positively? typically affect my job and my daily working um so i would like an engagement for it to be front and center and to be really about continuing to to sell the benefits i think technically i've tried to bake in reviews uh, at, at the project board level uh, i've certainly tried to do impact assessments which are about the impact on benefits when there's a big change in, in an implementation and I think you're right, you know, when it's about how testing's going, how training's going, how we are on our go live checklist before we go live. I think in our approaches, I've really aimed to be like, you know, are our benefits still preserved? And, and maybe, you know, I'll hand over if you've seen anything like that or you've done that yourself. And maybe somewhere in this conversation, we should actually just open up 
the good approach to doing it at the end, but doing it well in, say, two to three reviews after you arrive. Actually, something that you said there actually really chimed home for me. Um, it's that, um, that they're continually selling the benefits, reminding the, the full end user team, um, the full end user team of, uh, of the benefits that um, that they hope to achieve, that they will get, um, which helps to remind the project team, uh, which helps us to get through some of those challenging moments where everything looks like it's going wrong, uh, the, um, the project is going awry off the rails. Perhaps that's a point uh, to return to those benefits and remind ourselves why, why we're doing things and how good the solution is going to be at, at realising those benefits for us further down the road. Yeah, exactly. And I think we're, we're probably both lingering in the kind of the focusing on benefits with the people. Um, and I do believe there's a separate technical element to all this, but certainly I agree. You know, two quick examples. You can say to a project team, better, cleaner data in in the the big sphere it means us tidying the data up now in the project sphere you know we have to do it to get to that better place and for a technology partner the example might be well if you aim to squeeze here and you know and get into the time frame but compromise quality not suggesting they do that all the time you know we, we're offending a benefit here is this the right thing to do maybe we need the extra time you know yeah, now that's that's interesting as well, is it? Because it's playing that back to the partner. Yeah, but by by not delivering this, not not fixing this bug, not providing this training, whatever it might be, actually, it's not just the functionality of the system. It's these benefits that are being jeopardised, and, and these benefits are are central to the business case uh, for the client. So it's an interesting way of looking at that, and I'm not sure I've not sure I've done that myself actually but uh, certainly some good tips for, for taking that forwards. I think it's how practicable it is and I think we are both saying that it just gets so intense yeah. to get functionality working to get data presented in the right form for migration to get the people in the right mode to test and then be trained. Yeah. Um, I think we both are saying the same thing that actually if you have more and more ways to describe it and focus on it it, it stands a chance of actually realising the benefits you set out with. Yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, I did want to talk to you about measurement because I do think in the yeah. sector, <laughs> the mm. thing I've seen in, in, in definite varied ways is finance teams that are very good at tracking the, the return on investment and the, the, the harder financial benefits of a project. And then actually operational teams that are very good at having some form of baseline website visitors, number of widgets processed per month. And then I think I've seen other examples where the measurement is is really quite basic and, and it's difficult to kind of pin down. Yeah. I just wonder what your experience is of measurement, really. Yeah, no, that's an interesting one. I was going to ask you a sort of similar question, actually, because we're absolutely all about the benefits at that business case um, at, at the beginning of a project. I'm not sure at that stage, um, wherever sort of starting to list out measurable benefits, it, it's all about you will be more efficient, it will save you time, it will save you money. 
you will make more money, get more visitors, whatever it might be. But I don't think at that stage we, we're ever trying to understand what the current position is and what the, the hoped for position is. Sometimes if we're lucky, there might be some bits in, in a client's fundraising strategy um, that we're sort of supporting. But but I'm, I don't think we get down to that kind of measurable level in, in a business case. Perhaps we should. Perhaps it's a supplementary. Perhaps it's a bit of that kind of pre-project preparation, um, knowing later throughout and later we, we want to do some realisation. Therefore, let's spend some time really nailing down what are the measurable benefits that you hope to achieve from this. But I don't think I've seen a lot of that in my experience at, uh, uh, at the, the clients or the projects that I've been running. Yeah, and I think um, I think we've both sort of developed business cases for Heart Square, and and um, you know we've seen the various types of different clients, and that's not just size and scale, but just sort of the where people were charity based or membership body. Um, I've certainly seen the Heart Square approach to saying, you know, ouch, that's a very ambitious growth target for this project. And I've seen us really be clear on our expenditure for the project as we forecast and the the year on year kind of improvement, the run rate improvement, I suppose you call it in financial terms. I think it is hard in our business case to get the time and the focus to drop down into the more operational kind of, you know, efficiency is such a, a broad stroke, you know, how will this make us efficient? I probably also would vote for our projects when saying the front end teams have more accessible data yeah. <laughs> around search engine optimization, website visits, conversions. I think a lot of our, our database, maybe it's because it's legacy uh, infrastructure, is a real struggle to surface the, the management information about throughput. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, uh, that kind of better reporting, um, I, I've, I've seen that on so many sort of business cases or other papers from, from clients what what are your objectives better reporting well but what does that mean actually what, what is it that you're trying to report where are your struggles how are you going to use those reports to grow your membership your fundraising income whatever it might be uh, but I'm not sure how often we dive down to that kind of level we probably should and, and maybe there's a let's say a, a something that we should be doing pre-project and it certainly needs to be pre-project to really understand at that more measurable level what some of these more intangible statements actually actually mean yeah and i think the strong ones i've, I've seen and heard are kind of growth you know uh, fundraising growth membership growth density growth for a trade union and uh, as I say, I've heard some good things about reach, you know, in terms of visits and conversions. I've heard some really good things and there's some really good things in the CRMs that we see, the, the ones we're putting in or, you know, with, with our technology partners uh, around engagement, the shift yeah. in engagement, low engagement to high, um, looking after your, your dormant membership or stakeholders, supporters versus your, your highly active ones. Um, Yes, I think I, I go back to I think the challenge is efficiency uh, and uh, actually something I'd like to see a bit more on is the very demonstrable change in satisfaction levels, mm -hmm. uh, external and across the staff body, 
and the very definite demonstration of skills and development shift um as well as the process led data you know i don't want to get too staty in this because you know I'd, I'd love to us to move on to like what does a good benefits review look like post life but certainly i feel like i do see strong areas i think we could do more um i think our clients could do more um, and i certainly know those themes are the ones where we see the the, the variability I think one of the one of the things that's in there that you've both been talking about without actually it being so explicit but you both kind of highlighted is actually that if you go back to my, my kind of very opening comments about benefits realization is something that happens after implementation of a new piece of technology the first strand of the conversation we had was actually and andrew you highlighted about how during the course of an implementation where there's always sticky points right there's always points where people are feeling ground down and you know things are not going as well as they might actually the benefits that you've the strategic benefits you're trying to achieve are something to hang on to and bring people back to get their heads up and looking forward and feeling positive again um and then i think also you've made it really really clear both of you that to talk about benefits realization we have to start with making sure that we define benefits up front um which i think i don't, I don't know i guess you you've positioned that within our business cases which is obviously a piece of work we do but do you find that clients are in that kind of mindset when you're talking to them up front about anything anything tangible in terms of the benefits they intend to achieve you know we're not in a world where we're talking about you know th thankfully we're not talking about let's you know we can save five posts or anything like that that's not what we're looking to do we're looking to help people do better things with their time so it can be intangible but that's not necessarily wrong discuss um, yes. Oh, no, after you, Matt, go on. Sorry. Um, I'm glad you said that, Rob, because I thought there would be a moment where we talk about this. And I think we should declare and disclose that Heart Square is not in the business of just looking at headcount and offering yes. a, a lazy assumption about reduction. And also that, that our, our organisations really lean on the natural attrition factor. If there, there is a, a modicum of people who, who leave for whatever reason uh, over time, that's the strategy versus, you know, phase one, we're at X number of people and phase two will be at a lower number. I really respect that because elsewhere it can get done very poorly as a benefit realisation. Yeah. Um, yeah. We talk, but, sorry, but we talk, when we're talking about people, we talk far more about, you know, maybe enabling people to move away from administrative tasks, yeah. don't we, to be more engaged. And you mentioned engagement strategy. It's a very different approach to, like you say, we can save that team of 10 can become a team of four or anything like that. We never really go. I've never really seen us do a work on projects like that because it's not what the sector's about as well, I think. Exactly. And it's not saying the private sector, they don't understand the other routes either. But certainly I agree that the if I say lazy or I say route one, it can generally be yeah. this project will save you X money uh, through your salary bill. And you're so right in the sector. It's well, we want to get people at higher skill levels. We can probably redeploy. We might have a department that's quite, you know, big, but we've got plenty of other work in other places. Um, we respect people, yeah, might leave for various reasons over the course of time. All sort of options that are not, you know, the classic model. Yeah. Um, I've, I've certainly had some conversations with clients um, who essentially have employed a skills department of fundraisers, but they spend most of their time doing admin. Um, entering records on a database, uh, entering records on many databases and spreadsheets quite often. And, and so often that talk is not, there's no way about we've got five people, we only need two. It's about we've got five people and we want them all to be doing the job that we're paying them to do. 
not not just constantly servicing a system. We want them to be innovative. We want them to be exciting. We want them to be going out, seeing people, trying new things, raising more money, whatever it might be. What we're paying them to do, uh, essentially. And, and I think there is a good mindset within the sector that the efficiency is not about losing headcount or, or reducing staff. It's about doing more, being more exciting, being more innovative um, and, and pushing forward in, in that kind of way rather than saving money. Yes, and I think as well, Rob, uh, to directly answer the question, of course, with chief finance officers, heads of finance, I think pound for pound, excuse the pun, um, I see some brilliant professionals who have a focus on ROI and, and on um, year on year improvement and are bringing that business case to the table, the, the notion of income growth and cost saving, you know, on the bottom line. Uh, certainly, though, I've even seen those individuals talk about this is a natural attrition or, uh, you know, this is about doing more, as Andrew says, you know, there's so many things on our list we can't do now because we've got such a manual effort burden. Yeah, so it's actually more about making better, be, enabling people to make better use of their time, isn't it? That That's the, yeah. you know, the, if we were looking for a a metric to use, it's about how you use your time as opposed to what it costs financially almost, yeah. you know, and it even plays into what you were saying earlier about um, better reporting, what is better reporting? you know making it distributed so it's you know so anybody can get their own information out rather than being reliant on the weekly report the daily report or the team down the corridor to send me some stuff it's that kind of idea isn't it and it does risk being intangible but i do think there are things that we can do to help people actually you know kind of lay out a stall up front and then track it a little bit and i guess you guys have seen that yeah a little bit a little bit um I think it depends on who the client is and to what level they've got these kind of strategic priorities agreed and, and outlined. So a client who has a, a strategic priority to double their fundraising income in five years, they're already thinking about how the technology will support that strategic aim. And you can start to bring that back a little bit more, I think, into uh, what will be the, the direct benefit straight after go live two years five years ten years after after the system's in place i think other clients it's a harder job to get them to be more tangible they're not necessarily thinking in that kind of way they just know they need better reporting more more efficient staff i think we definitely have a role in helping them shape more tangible measurable benefits um, early in the project. I don't think we always do that, um, but I think that's something that we should be doing more and more so that, yeah, so we can, yeah, m mark our own work essentially at the end. Have we done this? Has it hit the, your objectives? Um, and I think, yeah, that's important for us to do. And I think if I was being very, very fair, I'd say there are themes I'd like to see more of you know, across the client base and across projects. I always think about printing and facilities. If there's such an opportunity to reduce costs in that area, uh, you know, if you're a legal services charity or, or organisation, you might stick to your needs to have, you know, a lot of paper around. Any other organisations through this type of change should really be looking to drop that bill and, and help people to become more digital. 
I might be wrong. I kind of think digital teams are are not far off the mark in most projects. Um, but with IT, you know, even inside this group, we know, you know, from experience, getting tin out of the building and getting service replaced and services into the, the cloud, there's an offset cost of subscriptions for products that are owned by third parties or hosted. There's very definitely a, a saving there about the uh, the infrastructure. And then I will say it because I think it gets so often thrown at the charity and not-for-profit sector, is are we doing enough to be operationally efficient about the time it takes us to do things, the volume of things we do, you know? And I think that's where I sort of think in operational departments. Contact centres are very good because there's lots of stats around, but in terms of teams doing work across an organisation, I'd certainly love to see more business cases start with a profile of data and some real key goals that are, are very tangible. Interesting. Um, can we, can we, sorry, pick up. There's several points, we, several ways we could go down with, with that. But I think actually one of them is because um, you're talking about our like HeartSquare's position, helping clients out, etc. Um, but there is this then the question of at what point you start to measure benefits. Um, so I suppose two parts of it. Firstly, we know that what the benefits you kind of set out with upfront are likely to. If you're doing a substantial piece of work right on your um, implementation, then you're you're going to learn some stuff along the way. You're going to actually change and tune, and you've got to be free to do that. You've got to feel you know comfortable doing that. So, at what point should you actually take, kind of take that stop, take that step back, and say, right, let's let's review the benefits we set out with. Let's adapt them to where what we now know, and then let's plan forward. Is that a post implementation thing? Is that part of the transition to BAU? Is it when you're stuck in the middle of UAT and and can't think of something better to do? I mean, where does that come in? Um, that's an interesting question. I, th I think it's something perhaps for perhaps UAT, perhaps th that immediate post UAT, because I think it's that kind of stage that you're familiar with the system. Um, you're familiar with where it is providing efficiencies, how it will be used what the user base is like um, uh, with the new system as well. And I suppose where where they take two steps forward in, a, in an area of functionality that could actually last them another 10, 15 years. And I think it's at that stage that you can start really revisiting and reshaping your measurable uh, benefits. But it can't really be until after go live that you you're able to review them. Have we met them? Um, absolutely. Um, I, I think there should be perhaps touch points throughout. Perhaps that's something that I'll, I'll implement in, in my projects. Are we working towards these benefits? Yes or no. Um, Reevaluate them a little bit at UAT, but then probably six months to a year after go live once they once people have settled on the system and are starting to use it to its full extent that's a time to, to review properly but then i'd also look at it maybe three years after and five years after um i know lots of projects with with the bigger platform systems where I know the system can go even further. Uh, I know the automation can do even more. I know the the workflow can support yet more stuff within the client. 
but actually that's a phase two it's a phase three or, or beyond so we can't just measure the benefits once six months after go live tick it's something I think you need to do yeah, again and again and again as the system grows, as people grow with it um, and as the business changes. Yeah, I, not much to add to that at all. I, I kind of feel like if you're de- defining benefits up front very well and I, I, you've heard me, you know, if, you, if you're um, establishing baselines and measures across the board up front, that's what you feel you need to do that then I've always seen it as the project timeline is all to do with protection of what you've defined and and and, and how you want to move from, from your baseline. Uh, so you might have checkpoints, as Andrew says, you know, when you pass UAT, you're kind of pushing the the new technology in, towards go live. So you're kind of saying that's what's going to launch and, and flourish. So if if you're pretty consistent that that is really well tested and signed off, then it should reap your benefits. And agreed, I think there are certainly things that once you're live, you want to kind of follow the themes. So it might be a couple of annual measures for your income growth year on year, um, but you certainly want to capture, after Andrew said, the productivity dip that we know exists, you know, getting used to the system, and uh, make sure that that dip is not too deep or too long. But when you come out of that, you should start to see your 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 search engine optimization improve, your website visits, more people getting online accounts in your portal, and um, your teams using the system in intuitive ways, and um, you know, getting through more in a month. Um, and yeah, and I think it there's probably a natural point where the next development takes over and its benefits take over. I do absolutely agree with Andrew that, you know, it's a longer line than we think. It's not a one-stop shop. Oh, no, that's really interesting. I've been sort of more quiet on this one, just kind of listening to, you know, what you've all been discussing and um, really interesting, you know, around the difference with tangible and intangible benefits. And and like you said, the benefits, tracking them and reviewing them doesn't stop, you know, after you go live. It's that bigger picture of thinking that longer term which is really interesting, actually. But I'm just conscious, you know, we're running to time. But I just wanted to get your final kind of takeaways each on kind of how your top bit of advice or something you would advise um, someone to bear in mind um, about how to effectively realise kind of the benefits of a project, really. Um, if I sort of come to each of you, don't mind who goes first, but... <laughs> And I think for me, it's um, it, it's making sure upfront, before the project, preferably, but certainly early in the project, we, we know what we're measuring. Um, we have get yeah, tangible benefits. We we really understand what the statement better reporting actually means. More engagement, what what that means. Efficiency savings, what that really means um, for each client. Um, and having something that we can really measure against. I think that for me is uh, is the key thing. Revisit through the project, review at the end, but really understanding the objectives of that upfront. And I had many in there and we've discussed many. So I think I will only return to overlaying, make sure every month, every quarter at a town hall, you are reminding people why we're doing this, why it's tangibly good for them and and why we're doing everything we can to make this right and better. 
um, via all of the projects, updates and activities. And I, I will recycle Andrew's point about saying, even if you've missed it along the way and you're consolidating, put in two to three reviews, month three, month six or nine, month 12 or month 15, just to properly sit down in a room with, with the business case and go, red, amber, green, you know, achieved, not achieved. It's well worth it. I think I'd add to that, and I, I agree with everything you said there. I think actually there's a point there, isn't there, that you know, some clients will look at, some clients who think that their project is a bit is smaller than we're talking about. This all sounds a little bit grand and fancy maybe to some, yeah. But actually the principle holds, no matter what you're doing, yeah, no matter what the project or the programme of work you're going through. Uh, so don't be afraid to give yourself something, just something targeted that you can work towards, because it's all about, actually, isn't it? It's all about feeling successful at the end of the day, yeah. You want to know you want to all agree why you're doing this yeah because it's all doesn't matter the scale of it it's going to take time it's going to take effort it's going to take energy it's going to take money etc etc so give yourself something to aim for and then give yourself the opportunity to say hey how about that we managed that we achieved that yeah how fantastic is that how cool yeah and give yourself some scope to to learn and change a bit of along the way but it is actually about wanting to to know that you've succeeded at the end of it isn't it and therefore it applies to everyone yeah Definitely. And I think that's a really great point uh, to round off this podcast. Um, so I just want to thank you, Matt and Andrew, for joining us today, for sharing all your insights and experience. It's been really great. So really appreciate your time. So thank you. So we hope you enjoyed this week's episode. It was really great to chat to Matt and Andrew. Um, It was great to hear their thoughts um, around the key touch points and milestones um, to review benefits at. And um, I found it really interesting when they covered some of those topics around the differences between tangible and intangible benefits. Um, Was there anything in particular you picked up, Rob? I think, yeah, your point about uh, a point you've highlighted about the tangible versus intangible is really important. I think the conversation we had actually about you know, being very, very clear, we're not talking about, you know, savings are not about people. You know, it's not about um, restructuring and, and, you know, losing jobs. It's actually about giving people the freedom and the uh, the ability, the capability to, <coughs> um, to use their time more effectively in more positive ways. That's really, you know, getting rid of some of the admin side of things and therefore um, yeah, improving kind of the engagement that staff can have with their members and donors, etc., is part of what we're talking about there. When we talk about efficiency savings, that's what it's all about, about being able to do better things with your time. Um, I think that, and then just, you know, the, the links that were made there about, this is about how to be successful, you know, get define what success looks like at the start, be open to, to changing it as you learn more, you know, to tune in it as you learn more. And then be very, very clear that the point is say, hey, look, look what we've done. You know, we have been successful. And that then gives you the the, the heart really to, to take on the next challenge that you face. So, yeah, that was really, really interesting conversation. Yeah, it was really great to chat to them this week. So um, if you did enjoy the episode, um, be sure to leave us a review and subscribe to the podcast so you get notified of the latest episodes. And don't forget, uh, as always, you can follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter by searching Heart Square, where you'll find loads more content on themes of leadership, digital culture and capability. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode.